You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. Say hello to my little friend. To infinity and beyond. Like tears in rain. On Wednesdays, we wear pink. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Tears looking at you, kid. You talking to me? You're going to need a bigger boat. You'll always have Paris. Hello and welcome back to Films and Friends. My name's Josh. I am joined as ever by Tobias. Hey, how's it going? And we are joined today by our first ever friend, in inverted commas, Becca. Hello, I'm the friend in inverted commas. So I think the best, point, the best place to start this is to, um, for Becca to explain how she knows at least one of us. Um, okay, so uh, I um, know Tobias quite well, I think you can say. Uh, we're actually dating... Uh, so, you know, I, I'm fairly well acquainted. And I did meet Josh about two weeks ago. So there we go. I know both of them. <laughs> so this is uh, films with uh, girlfriends and acquaintances, basically, at this point. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Woo! We'll, we'll rename, we'll rebrand the podcast very soon. Don't worry, guys. I think that works quite well. For consistent, like, it rolls off the time. Girlfriends and acquaintances yeah. and films. Wait. I messed up. <laughs> Films with girlfriends and acquaintances. That's it. Is the new title of the podcast. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a, a we rom-com. We need a new logo, Toby. New logo, but it sounds like a rom-com. Like Crazy Stupid Love. Yeah. <laughs> Films, friends and acquaintances. Films, girlfriends. Girlfriends. Thank you. Damn. So you've, got, you've got a girlfriend's bit in to make it yeah. a romantic comedy. Of course. Else it's just course. a normal comedy. Oh, a normal comedy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There we go. <laughs> so, um, Becca, just um, for people to understand um, a little bit more about you, um, what's your occupation, so mm-hmm. to speak? Uh, I am unemployed, well not yet, I'm a student at the University of Manchester with these guys, um, but I do law with politics, and that's sort of how me and Toby met, is that he does politics, we happen to have some lectures together, so romantic. (laughs) And we're going to, I think, jump straight in to uh, the difficult, deep cuts. Oh wow. Um, What are some of of your favourite films or genres or actors and directors? Okay, so a lot of my favourite films seem to sort of fit into the same genre, but I don't really know what to call it. So you guys might be able to help me out on this. Um, I love, well, Shawshank Redemption. I mean, not only is it one of the best freaking films of all time, it's also one of my favourite films. It's absolutely incredible. Toby and I actually went to go see it at, like, the anniversary cut, like, in in home cinema. Uh, It wasn't at home, actually. Home, I don't know if they did it, but it was... um... It was kind of like what's happening now with The Shining, um, where it was um, Printworks, like View. That's the one, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, we went to see that cinema. Oh, so good. Um, good Will Hunting is another great one. Uh, I also love, uh, so there's an adaptation of a, mo- of a book by Patrick Ness. The movie is also called the same as the book. It's A Monster Calls. These All three of these movies make me cry like an absolute baby, but I don't know. I think they're all part of the same genre. I mean, it's like a sort of drama but I hate calling them dramas because that makes me sound so basic. But they are really just... Oh, any movie that makes me, like... It's really cathartic. You just sit there sobbing on a sofa. Like, you know, that's a movie that I'll probably love. And I guess, like... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do. I am partial to both Disney as well. Not gonna lie. Also, I love. The, I'm gonna tell this on air. Every time Toby hears the Up tune, he cries. Oh, man. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get him to watch Up. Yeah, I... 
I have seen Up as things. Not that I haven't seen it, but um, we need to watch it together. The first ten minutes, they they break me. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm an enormous. That's probably my up there with my favourite Pixar films. It's on my um computer at home. It's the um because it's the Windows 10 ones. So you have to swipe up for you put your password in. Oh. My, my little picture on it is actually the picture from one of the pictures still from Up. Oh, that's is it the cute. balloons? Yeah, it's like the house oh, against the blue no. sky with all the balloons. That's it's really so nice. Cute. I love it. I mean, that film nails as well the fact that the aesthetic is just so pleasing. It's kind of the bright colors. Yeah, the bright colors and and clear cut. I mean, it's what Pixar does best as well, where they 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 have an art style for each film that is so instantly recognizable. You see the the silhouette of one of the characters, and you go, "Oh yeah, that guy's from Up." Yeah, that's Carl or something like that. Yeah, it's like I mean, it's also like Up. It, it's it, like I said, like the bright colors. So you've got the balloons, and you've got Kevin the bird, and he's got like like sort of orange plumes and blue plumes and stuff, and you've got Kevin in his bright yellow little scout suit, and 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 the post box even with the coloured handprints, and the house itself with like the pink walls and the like you know Ellie's decor all over the place. And it's like it's just so sweet and absolutely like you know you recognise those colors, like the, all the, that mishmash of beautiful colours together, and you're like that yeah that's it that's up. So would you say up's your favourite Pixar film? Ah, oh, yes, but also Wally. Wally is brilliant. So cute. I never used to understand Wally the first time I watched it. Like, cause I watched it when I was like pretty young, and I sort of thought this is a bit weird. I never sort of got it, and I rewatched it about two years ago. And then I suddenly watched it. I was like, kind of, kind of clicked in my head, and I was like, oh, it's so about thi- climate change. So this, so this is why Wally's really good then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know that feeling of you watch a film when you're a kid, and you kind of get why it's meaningful, but you don't know why it's meaningful. You that just vague area where where it's like a dream that you look back on it years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you look you look back on it and you're like, ah yes, that film. The one where the thing happens and it's good. When I was a kid, I always thought like it it took a while for me to grasp that adults are just big children. I thought they were like separate species and I'll tell you why. There was one particular film that I used to see advertised on like the sides of buses when it came out, which is Ricky Gervais The Invention of Lying. And I, for ages, thought, obviously this can't be a movie about a movie about the invention of lying. That's ridiculous. It's probably some metaphor for something. And adult movies never really tell you what they're about. And adults are so weird, and they like these sort of symbolic things. And then years later, I actually watched the movie, and it turns out it was about the invention of lying. And it's a really stupid film. And I sat there, and in that moment, it kind of made me realise. Adults are just big children. Well, but but that that's a very fair thing to say. I mean, that is kind of why films like Pixar or Disney films, and may, maybe even you know like Marvel films, and they just still resonate with people, no matter what age they are. Yeah. That that for all audiences uh, clicks because we all find something meaningful in, in yeah, in I, I kids agree. Films. Yeah, exactly. Like you know. People all have something in common when watching movies, um, and and you know adults. You know I I'm a you know I'm a 20 year old woman, and I I yeah, I'll still watch Disney. I bloody love the Lady and the Tramp. Like you know I will happily watch that a thousand oh, times. It's have you seen Lady and the Tramp? Uh, when I was younger, yes, but not recently. See, I I pr- I probably watched it on VHS on one of those rainy school evenings, or you know play cancel playground where we just watched the film, but. I rewatched it uh, earlier this year with Becca, and it's so cute and wholesome. Apart from you know the casual racism. Apart from the casual, <laughs> casual racism. Yeah. Basically, 
I don't know if you remember this one. You might have lost, might be lost to, you know, the shadow of memory. I wasn't that hot on, like, recognising sort of less overt racism when I was seven. Yeah, that's true. I was less woke when I was seven, I think. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Being woke is an acquired taste. (laughs) But basically, um, Peggy Lee plays... Uh, the Siamese cats. cats, which are they're they're supposed to be creepy because they are they move kind of um, simultaneously. simultaneously, so they're in sync and they move kind of like snakes almost, like they 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 basically slither. But what adds to it is this really high pitched singing that she does in an obviously racist interpretation of a what I assume is trying to be like a sort of. Well, you know, Siam accent, like, you know. A, like, all of, all of Asia is one a, big group. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> for them. And so, like, it's just really high-pitched, and it's like, we are Siamese, if you... And it's like, oh, like, you watch it now, and you're like, oh, God, Disney, what were you doing? You missed the mark on this one. Yeah. But apart from that, it's a really cute film. Yeah, even now, after so many years, I can still hear it in my head now when I yes. think about it. There you go. That is, there it is. very but racist. also, apparently they're making a new one, and they're obviously not going to have that in the new one. Oh, for sure, they're not going to have it. Which makes me sad, but at the same time makes me happy. Or, or... Yeah. If you're going to be racist, at least update it with the times. You know, take the piss out of Latinos. That's what's hot now in America. <laughs> oh, that's so true. <laughs> yeah, make them Latin cats. Make them do the salsa. I imagine what they'll do is they'll just have some people, like, the, the cats will be the same, but they will actually cast someone who is probably Chinese and do it in a very non-racist way. You think they'd actually do it? I think they'd. I think there's every chance of them casting... Because I think it is a sort of some major part of the film. I think it'd be weird to cut it out. I well, think you could probably handle it. I think less. the cats could still be creepy. I just think they're not going to have that song. Yeah, like they they could be like I'm guessing if you if you had to replace it, maybe they could be just they could be singing some kind of like jazz or no, no, blues. No. You know what? You make know. them make them make the alien noises from the movie Alien. Oh yeah, or just the predator noises. The predator. I, I, I haven't seen either of them. Yes. <laughs> Predators on yeah. The, the, yeah, yeah, exactly. Make them do that instead. Just don't make them sing anything. That would be real creepy and not racist. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Solve. We, we, we solve racism. <laughs> Episode two, racism solved. I think before we did touch on something quite interesting there about sort of like the uh, messages in um, uh, sort of the difference in messages between uh, kids and adults films. And I think maybe that's the reason why adults can still relate to them is because on a basic level uh, in a children's film, the messages are quite overt. Sort of like the sort of the, 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 t- the thing you're supposed to take away from the film is much less cryptic in, so say, a Pixar film than it is in, say, you know, like, like Shawshank Redemption. Like, there's messages, there's commonalities and themes between some children's films and the Shawshank Redemption. I can't think of any on the top of my head, so I'm just freestyling this here. But I'm sure you could probably write a very nice essay about it. Well, but Shawshank Redemption and Up, for example, it's about, you know, finding, you know, finding the, the confidence to let yourself be free, to not be bound by yeah. previous institutions. So, um, you know, Carl and his... Carl, his marriage to Ellie was a great thing, whereas, you know, uh, Andy Andy Dufresne's imprisonment in Shawshank isn't exactly a great thing. But it's about embracing freedom, especially Morgan Freeman, for example. You know, how he's, he talks about how he's been institutionalised. That's a little bit like <laughs> Carl. Um, so, like, it, it's this idea that, you know, you're Im- you can embrace freedom and then... And, and and don't be afraid to try new things. Or, yeah, or the other message, which is the one that stuck out to me, is just the the importance <laughs> of camaraderie and friendship. Yeah. How the prisoners in Shawshank they stick together because although it's a rough place, they are they are a group of friends that look out for each other. They've got each other's back. They take care of each other, and you know it's like. Um, 
it in up as well. They it's all about uh, forming new friendships, forming new friendships and families. Yeah, and trusting each other. Can I just say we are probably the first people who have ever compared those two movies. Yeah, <laughs> in this essay, I will. <laughs> I think the internet is a very wide place. I think you can you can find anything on the internet, can't you? Like people <laughs> trying to compare. I've, you see some ridiculous <laughs> takes. It's mental. But I think that yeah, I think that's true. though. I think um, and maybe that's what's quite nice about sort of when you're an adult watching a children's film is that as much as I love watching a really complicated film and sort of distilling the message I sort of believe that filmmaker is trying to tell me, it is nice sometimes to watch a film where it's like oh this is quite nice and easy and I can sort of see where they're going with this as opposed to something incredibly cryptic like a Christopher Nolan film. Oh, one thing I do... Can we talk about any visual medium on here? Like TV shows as well? Yeah, well, we'll talk about TV. Okay, I'm going to bring up something real quickly. We can go back to movies, but... Gravity Falls is a TV show directed at children, but there are so many deep adult messages in there. And I don't, by adult, I don't mean like things like sex. Like, I mean like genuinely like things about like loss and grief and, 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 and complicated family relationships. And it's all sort of bound up in this little package of two kids on an adventure living at their great uncle's house. And it's just one of the best TV shows I've ever seen. Have you seen it? Uh, I don't think so. Basically, yeah, Gra- Gravity Falls, um, it's... Uh, Apart from having a banging theme tune. Oh, the theme, the theme tune's great. But the way the way it looks visually, I kind of... Um, I mean, if you look up an image, you'd say it looks kind of like a very much mid-2010s Cartoon Network show. Kind of like Steven Universe, but not as bright coloured. More like Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. But it's like like a mix between the two, because yeah. like Foster's in Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, um, the characters don't have an outline. Right, yeah. Whereas in Gravity Falls, they do. But um, Which I know, subtle difference, but it, 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 kind, it kind of makes it more... 3D than, yeah, than flat, yeah, yeah. but anyway, the point is, yeah, it, it's it's such a good show. And as a fan of horror, um, what I love about horror isn't um, a spooky jump scare. There you go. That was a short adrenaline spike, and that's it. That's a cheap throwaway. No, what I like about horror is is the the dread or the deep existential questions that it raises. You know, are are, are we alone in in this universe as like aliens or ghosts or and all that. And Gravity Falls does actually raise some of those questions, it's... among other things. Like towards towards the end, not to spoil it. Basically, uh, there's like what twenty episodes. Uh, yeah, I'd say about twenty. Yeah, maybe thirty. Yeah. Maybe 30. There's two seasons. The last half of the second season gets so dark that I was watching it and thinking, "This is not a kids show. This is not a kids show." But it's it's marketed towards kids. And and Toby said shared an article towards uh, to me. Uh, with me, there we go, shared an article with me, basically talking about how Gravity Falls doesn't shy away from treating kids like, not not like adults, but treating them like they're actual sentient beings who can actually grasp things. Because, you know, a lot of these shows nowadays just treat kids like idiots, like, oh, look at the colours, and it's like... And, and Gravity Falls does a great job of just saying, you know, kids, this is how the world works. Sometimes it's great, sometimes there are difficult parts, but at the end of the day, if you work as a team, you'll always come out on top. And it's very wholesome. Yeah, I don't know. Um, one of the things I used to watch when I was I was a bit bit tired a bit before my time, but they used to show reruns of it all the time. Was um, uh, the story of Tracy Beaker? Yeah, oh, I'm not yeah. sure how familiar you are with sort of the story of that, but sort of that is just, that when you look back on that, <clears throat> sort of retrospectively, the fact that they managed to make like have like seven series out of a show, which is effectively based in a children's home about yeah. people whose lives are objectively their lives are really bad. Yeah. Like obviously they've been taken into care and they're sort of like of trying to get fostered and stuff. And on reflection, like that is really dark. 
Oh, I but remember. Yeah, when I when I tried to get into it as a kid, because I, um, even though I grew up in Spain, we had Sky. Like we managed to have a the Sky account registered to my nan's house in Lincoln, and um, I remember seeing a couple of episodes of Tracy Beacon, thinking this is straight up a. I, I couldn't see in my head a difference between Tracy Beaker and something like uh, EastEnders. Like, to me, it was a soap opera drama with dark themes. Yeah, I mean, that, like, when you... I, I think there's, um... I think there's probably a... Um, you probably do it now. There's probably things on the internet where they've sort of collated the most weird moments from it. For sure. But, like, there's, I think there's one scene where there's a girl who locks herself in a bathroom with loads of cleaning supplies and tries to make perfume out of them. And the whole sort of premise is, is she going to, like, gas herself to death and they have to climb oh, a ladder oh to get her out the window? Like, I don't remember this bit. Stuff like that. And I think, like, I don't think you get away with that these days. Well, no. and that's almost a bad thing. Well, do we though? That's the thing. Euphoria. Um, oh, but that's not, that's not a for kids children, show. though, is it? True, but but arguably Tracy Beaker. I mean, what 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 do you think would be like the age range that Tracy Beaker's aiming for? Well, they used to put it on te- when I used to watch it. It was on TV on CBC, which is the channel designed for. I think that they say like I think it's like seven to twelve or something. No, CBC is like four to eight. <laughs> That's, that's oh, CBeebies. No, CBeebies yeah. is like four to eight, and oh, then like eight to like, I think it's 11 or 12 is CBC, and it used to be on at quarter to eight in the morning. So like oh, when people okay. were going to school, so oh, okay. pretty early. I thought it was on late at night. Like no. the la- It was kind of like the last show they'd put on. It really on. was. Like loads of people remember growing up. I mean, I, I didn't, but like loads of people remember growing up with Tracy Beaker. And so like it really was like fully marketed towards kids. I don't know any adults who would happily watch Tracy Beaker unless it was part of their childhood. But, just, but just thinking about that, I'm thinking about the contrast between um, British, te- uh, not teen, but you know, British preteen dramas and American um, shows of this style. So say um, That's So Raven compared to Tracy Beaker, the, the level of dark uh, storytelling that Tracy Beaker has when compared to That's So Raven is crazy different. I don't know. I think it's more about the change in times because That's So Raven had some pretty cool moments as well. Like, not going to lie, that was a pretty banging show. But, like, it's just nowadays, I'm going to sound like such a... Oh, sorry. I'm going to sound like such a boomer. I'm not supposed to swear. Um, But basically, um, like, nowadays, I think things have been so, like, sanitised. Like, like I was saying, like, going back to Gravity Falls, like, this idea that you've got to treat children like people who can make their own minds up, as opposed to just showing them pretty colours and being like, haha, look, someone fell over. You know, all, all of these kinds of new TV shows that are coming out are, I just, I don't know, I watch them. I don't know if it's just because I'm getting older, or just because I watch the things that my cousins watch, and they're, like, ten. I'm like, why, why do you enjoy this? Yeah, I, I, see, I see what you mean about that, that you look back on it and you're thinking, was it really like that back in my day? And thinking about stuff you dislike, um, bringing it back to film, what's some, what, what are some films or actors and directors, genres that you just, I wouldn't say hate, strong word, but you really dislike? I mean, one film comes to mind, or it's a trilogy actually, but I don't even know why they made the first one. There was a film that came out in like 2008 called Arthur and the Invisibles. And the first one was actually all right. Like, I remember watching it. I remember one day we went to, like, Sainsbury's and we found the disc for the third one. And it must have been a straight-to-DVD movie because I'd never seen it advertised in cinemas. And we watched it. And it was just the most plotless, horrifying, 
ugly piece of cinema I've ever had the displeasure to watch. <laughs> it was genuinely so disgusting. Like, there was... By plotless, I mean plotless. Like, the first villain, who was supposedly defeated in the first movie, comes back, but for no explainable reason, as far as I'm aware. Um, and then there's just, like, a bunch of ugly flying bug monsters... And and the animation is like horrible three D rendering kind of stuff that you saw like halfway through the like early two thousands. It's just really really. Toby's mm. looking up images now. It really is bad. And in terms of like genres, horror. I just can't get into horror. I'm such a scaredy cat. Ah, right. But here here's a defense of why Arthur and the Mini Moys. It's, it was called Arthur and the Mini Moys in Spain, so it's confusing for me why it's the Invisibles. Anyway, in defense of it, it's by Luc Besson. Luc Besson, French filmmaker, is the filmmaker that made Leon the Professional. Uh, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, is it? Mm. Um, Lucy, Fifth Element, La Femme Nikita. He is very much a... Problematic a, individual now. Problematic individual now, of course, and very much an auteur of French cinema. Okay. And I know grouping, group, as, as we're <laughs> touching on, um, grouping people um, into categories based on stereotypes isn't great but French cinema is known for being strange in in a lot of ways just kind of that uncanny valley of this story feels weird and um, I think that that's kind of why Arthur and the Invisibles felt like that yeah I, it, it, it did but it's just the first one was fine like I didn't have a problem with it it was the third one that I just felt like I didn't even watch the second one um but yeah, that it was. It's a weird, weird movie. That that one. I, I feel like it was a fever dream, like one of those movies you feel like you didn't actually watch. Um, but yeah, no. But in terms of genre, like I said, horror. I, I'm I'm genuinely. I couldn't watch Scooby Doo until I was eleven because I would have to hide behind the door. Oh, it was man. Bad. I think one more thing just to say before we sort of get off of the um, animation train. There yeah. is just um, one thing I've noticed, sort of like relatively, is that. You notice with a lot of studios with um, animation sequels, the quality does not of animation is not reflected across the series. Oh, absolutely! Because once, especially um, the like, the direct DVD, um, obviously direct to VCR at the time, sort of the Disney Renaissance ones. Yeah, like the Little Mermaid two or like yeah, Lion yeah. King two or two point five. Like some of them even had like a point something. Yeah. Oh, oh, um, oh God, was it Lion King two? No, it was Lion King one point five. Which was like uh It was like Timon and Pumba. Yeah, that did was like it. it was like their kind of like mystery science theatre two thousand three thousand where mm. it's sort of like you see the silhouettes of them watching the f- original film and they add in little bits that you didn't see. That's so meta. That's, yeah, it's like so it, it's it, weird. We, to be fair, now it probably if you watch it now, it probably comes across quite well as like a meta sort of in joke. Yeah. But I remember watching it when I was a kid and I was like, This is really, really weird. <laughs> Oh, but that, that that thing about meta um, filmmaking, literally something I, I realised last night. Um, so I'm watching an Amazon show called The Boys. Have you seen it or heard of it at least? I don't use Amazon Prime. Fair. So, so The Boys is based on comics and basically it's about um, a world where superheroes are... It takes a jab basically at, at Marvel um, in the sense that, you know, superheroes are super corporate there. They have social media quotas to fill. Uh, they are celebrities, but managed by a corporation. And uh, they are horrible people. And this guy's girlfriend is killed by a, a superhero in the middle of a something. And he wants to get revenge on superheroes. 
And at one point, um, the world is filled with superheroes. And at one point, uh, Haley Joel Osment um, plays a character that, get this, is in his 30s, used to have a show as a kid, and his superpower is that if he holds someone's hand or touches someone, he can read their mind. And his character arc is basically that as a kid, he he uh, was known as, was had a superpower, and now it's like, oh hey, you're that guy who had that show as a kid where he had the thing, which mm. is literally him with the sixth sense. Because he yeah he had the power yeah. with the sixth sense, and so everyone's like, oh, oh hey. you're the kid from the sixth sense. What a jab at so, his own life. Yeah, so it was such a weird meta uh, bit of of casting. Mm. Does it work or does it take it you out of it? It does work. It doesn't take you out of it at all because because it doesn't feel like, oh, hey, this is the kid. Like, he appears and he just has this character. And if you never even knew that he was in the sixth sense, you'd be like, oh, that, that was that was pretty interesting. You know, mm. like, small, small little character, character. But when you know that, it just adds that other layer of, huh, what? That was smart. So to sort of go back to horror, sort of like, um, I personally, I'm not a big fan of horror either, but only because That's I another one. really hate jump scares. That's the problem. I so I went to um I I went to the um Grim Fest, the Manchester, the sort of up north um was it the horror festival? Yeah, Grim Fest. And I specifically picked two films which I knew would be the least scary. <laughs> so one of them was a um sort of a a dark comedy thriller called A Serial Killer's Guide to Life, which was just about serial killers, so that wasn't that scary. And the other one I watched was called Little Monsters, which is the Lupita Nyong'o uh, Australian Zomcom. Oh, yeah. And that was sort of like, it was more of a comedy, than, so that wasn't that scary either. Because I, I'm not averse to horror. It's just, I don't see the point of jump scares, and they just sort of throw me off a bit. Oh, just, I don't like it. I don't like feeling that I'm unsafe just watching a video on my phone or something. Like... Toby took me, uh, to be fair, this is my fault. I, I I was like, you know what, Toby, you really love horror movies. I'm going to go with you to see a horror movie. And for some reason, I had the brilliant idea of choosing us. See, I I always tell you, uh, I say, if you want to come to the cinema with me, we'll watch something that I know you'll enjoy. And don't worry, like, we'll pick something. And, and, and you insisted on coming I, to watch us with me. I just felt like me. I had to do it, you know? You always go to the cinema to watch horror movies. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to be a good girlfriend. I'm going to suck it up. And I just wish I'd chosen any other movie. I mean, to us, be us is pretty damn creepy. Have you you, oh, you saw it, didn't so you? Bad. Or was it? Or did you not get around to it in the end? I've seen bits of it, but I never got around to watching the entire thing because it got spoiled for me. And oh, once, oh no. no! Yeah, it got spoiled for me, and then I was like, oh, I don't really want to go and pay a fiver to go and see a film how I know it's going to end. Because I think the whole point of, especially that, and like Get Out, like the whole point of Jordan Peele's stuff is it's kind of like Twilight Zone where if you know the yeah. end it doesn't work as well yeah, yeah that's I still, fair I will get around to watching it at some point but it was kind of quite on my list now because obviously like it's been spoiled yeah that's fair I mean the that's thing awful. about the thing about us though it's kind of like um it it's Jordan when Jordan Peele described how he came up with the film it really makes sense after Get Out he was kind of hitting a writer's block, so he locked himself in a, in a room smoked a ton of weed and then came out hours later and went I've got it. <laughs> I know what I'm going to make. And, yeah, I mean, the, the film basically is like one of those, dude, my God, <laughs> so that's what it all meant. <laughs> but 
but not in a bad way. It's actually it's actually pretty great. I, I, feel, I really I liked it. I feel like it. maybe I would have enjoyed it more if I'd taken my head out from like my own jacket maybe once every three minutes. The problem is I was like absolutely terrified of what was going on. I think I only watched in total without you know my eyes uncovered. I think I watched about fifteen minutes of that movie. <laughs> Oh, you're the worst person to chat with. You're just, you're just the worst. Also, I, I have a shameful confession, everybody. Um, I'm one of those people who likes talking during movies, and Toby hates that. I sit in cinema in silence, and I watch it, and maybe I'll make a comment like to the person next to me, like, that's pretty good. That's no, it. And I'll be like, oh, look, did you see that? Isn't that cool? Oh, what do you think this means? Is this a metaphor? Oh, that's so cool. Look at what she's wearing. And Toby will be like, can you shut up? Please. <laughs> yeah, I think um, you, you, especially. D- d- I mean, I get annoyed enough when people do it. Like when I'm watching a film at home, that does me. But if someone was in that cinema, I would be apoplectic. <laughs> the greatest thing ever. Actually, a film I went to go watch recently, which is a horror movie, but I actually enjoyed it. Was Ready or Not? Because it's like it's a horror comedy, and um, I went with my uncle, who also enjoys talking during movies. And so we went, and for some reason the cinema was completely empty. Like, we went in, in uh, it was like in, in Finchley Road, like in, in North London, and we went to go see the cinema, and it was just... What was, time of day was it, though? It's like 3pm. Okay, uh, okay, fairly but early, but I think but it's not... also because it was released a bit before, like, it, it wasn't a new release. No, of course. And, and so literally we were the only people in the cinemas. We got to sit in the bougie VIP seats, even though we hadn't paid for them. And um, also, we just chatted the whole way through. We were like, oh, look. Look what this means. Oh, look. Does that remind you of someone? Oh, look. And it was great. It's one of the best cinema experiences I've ever had. It would be quite nice. I quite like... Um, <laughs> I mean, when I, did a, when I review films, because I have a weird uni timetable, I, last year specifically, I used to always go to the cinema in the middle of the day, like 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and I'd usually go and see stuff that had been out for a while anyway. And, like, I loved being, I loved being in the cinema like, by myself. Like, I think when I saw Assassination Nation, there were three of us in the cinema, and we were all dotted around various places. So I had, like, the, the entire rows to myself, and I was like, this is, this is perfect. Oh, Whereas yes. when I went to watch... What did I watch recently? Oh, I watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And that was even... That was, even, that was like, September, and that was quite a while after it came, came out, and the cinema was still packed. Yeah, some films just... They, they don't die. When I went to see Joker, it'd been out for at least... I'm going to say two, three weeks. Like, it'd been a while. Oh, I think but I'm that's because like... it's Joker. But but it's it was a... full. The, the cinema was full. It's because it's a meme, you know? Like, the thing is, the power of meme power is, that, like, because people were making memes out of it, the first wave of people went to go see it, so many more people wanted to go see it. Like, obviously. And because it's the Joker, like, you know, not only big names behind it, but also, like, all this, all this news about, like, people potentially shooting up a cinema because Joker is like an incel, like, hero or whatever. <laughs> like, you know, obviously people are going to want to go see it just for that, the shock power alone. Yeah. I think I went to see it a couple of days after you and it was the first time I've ever been to view and they had people in the cinema screen making sure you were sat in the correct seat. Really? I've never had that up. before. Yeah, and they were try- also trying to make sure people didn't um, sit in the, uh, what's it called? The, the premium. Uh, premium seats without premium tickets. Were you seeing it in IMAX? No, I just saw it just a general cin- just normal cinema. And it was really small screen as well. That's but quite it was weird. Absolutely rammed. They, that's really weird. So, Meme power. <laughs> see, when I went to see Blade Runner 2049, I, I treated myself and I went to the IMAX screening of it. And no one was sat in the. No one had actually bought the premium seating. So basically everyone there sat in the premium seats. Um, it wasn't too full, which is maybe the case. But 
I know this weekend I'm going to go see uh, Jesus is King, the Kanye documentary for his new album, which hasn't dropped yet and was supposed to drop. I told you. Oh, we can play. Actually, I was going to bring that up at the start of the episode. We can have a quick little um, distraction from films to have a quick thought experiment. So we are recording this um, about midday on, this is Friday, the 25th of October. Sure. Um, uh, This will go out on Wednesday next week. So uh, has Jesus is King dropped yet? Yes or no? No. Um... I'm gonna say no, and it's gonna and re- the reason that's gonna be a kick in the teeth is because the documentary is coming out this weekend. Like it's under, it's already people have bought their IMAX tickets. They can't pull it from screens, and the documentary was shown at a party two days ago. But will the album itself drop before Wednesday? No. Haha. <laughs> I said to uh, T- Tobias, ever the optimist, was like, yeah, can't wait for Jesus is King, and I was like, listen, you know what happened with Yandy. It's going to be the same with Jesus is King. You cannot trust this man. Kanye breaks my heart and you you pick up the pieces. It's true. It's true. This is the only reason that Toby <laughs> needs a girlfriend. It's because he gets his heart broken every time Kanye doesn't release a freaking album. I'm going to go against the, I'm going to go against the grain here and say, it, by the time you're listening to this at home, it will have dropped. Oh, oh, oh. spicy tape. Yeah, you yeah. have faith. Faith in the Lord now. Nah. Faith in Jesus. I do. I do indeed. <laughs> I, I admire your optimism, Josh, but I, I don't know. So, yeah, to sort of bring it back. I mean, to be fair, the film's coming out this week, so we've, sort of, we've stayed around film. We haven't, we haven't deviated no, too much. Sure. I think we're, I think we're pretty safe. But, um, so, one thing we sort of are really keen to ask people uh, when they come on the show, <laughs> just because of, I think we can, I think you can gain a lot from it in a weird kind of way, is what was your favourite film growing up? Um, okay, I don't know if I had a favourite film growing up, but there is a film I have a lot of good memories associated with, and it's Fantasia 2000 by Disney, and that's mainly because when I was growing up in Barnes, um, we used to live in this kind of small flat, and we lived at number nine, and there was a little lady, like little old lady, two floors above us, called Lucia Nanali, um, and she was... I mean, she was lovely. I mean, she absolutely loved us kids and she loved living in the same house. She, was, she did by herself and everything. Like, it was quite sad now I think about it. But she always, every time I got back from school, nursery or wherever I was going, she would invite me to her house. We would have tea and jammy dodgers and her homemade mince pies. Whatever time of year, she would always <laughs> make mince pies. And we would sit and we would watch Fantasia every single day. I'm so surprised that Lucia Nunnally, this lovely little old lady, um, was uh, did not get so sick of Fantasia because that was always the thing that I would ask to watch. And literally, just just like I, I was a five year old with a like who had like a friendship with this like seventy or eighty year old woman, and like I think she passed away like maybe five years ago. And I was genuinely distraught because like I only found out recently like she was a code breaker in World War Two. Like she she was you know she used to you know I think she used to be a spy as well. Like no she was way. A real, amazing woman with this insane backstory. She and my mum were really close friends as well. But the fact is that me and Lucia, like, had our own friendship aside from my mum and hers. And so, like, I just have such... I'm, I'm tearing up. Like, I had a such amazing times just going to Lucia's house by myself because I, I got a little bit of independence. I got to go up to her house by myself, knock on the door, be like, hello, Mrs. Nanley. She'd be like, call me Lucia. And I said, my mum says I can't. Um, <laughs> and um, and uh, we'd watch Fantasia 2000. That's so cute. Yeah. Is there anything about Fantasia specifically you liked, or was it just sort of the experience? Is it just maybe the sort of um, the sort of the, watching the same thing every time and doing it's like kind of like a not like a ritual. We're kind of like a ritual. Is it that was, maybe what it is? It was a ritual. It was, but it was also like I mean, I was a very musical kid, 
So I love the idea that, I mean, I've been playing the cello since I was four. So like for me, it was just this idea of like, um, hearing the music and, and actually I must have started playing the cello around the same time, I, maybe a bit after I started this ritual with Lucia. Um, but, but just the idea of the music, I always loved watching how like, you know, the animation went along with the music and, 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 and watching the little mushrooms in that, in that little scene with the mushrooms dancing and the hippos and all the animals and, and, and the fairies on the lake. I remember being absolutely hypnotized. The only thing I would always last to cheer is to turn it off right before the end where that horrible demon character comes out. I couldn't watch it. I, I've been averse to like scary things ever since I was really young. And so we would always, never, we would always turn off the movie before the end and repeat the same thing the next day. See, the, that world of film and music combining to this kind of it, it's not it's not just like a music video it's this visual artistic artistic experience, experience. yeah uh, the one i like is a um silly symphony the really really like that's older than fantasia it's disney as well i've never heard of it. silly symphony and basically it has all these different scenes and um so you know you know the video of um uh, spooky scary skeletons yeah. not the one of the guy in the suit with a pumpkin on his head no. but the one of the the little skeletons doing a dance in sync and then playing kind of the xylophone with their ribs yes yes that's from Silly Symphony oh wow and I, I oh, that's old Disney yeah it's real old I have a funny memory I was um when I was back in Spain this, this was more recent not really childhood stuff um I yeah I was 17 18 and um and we get we were together with a couple of mates um, at my mate Danny's house, and my mate Sergio walked in super stoned and just goes, "Guys, guys, 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 have you seen a silly symphony?" <laughs> and we're like, "The what?" He's like, "Dude, yeah, like when the trees dance, like I feel it in my soul." <laughs> and he was so stoned, and he puts it on, and we're all chilling there. I had a beer in my hand, but um, Danny was like, just sitting there like. I, what is going on in my house right now? Sergio <laughs> uh, and a couple other of my mates were, were, were stoned. And, and it comes on, and I was like, this is mesmerizing. I understand why he feels it in his soul, and you don't need no weed to feel that. <laughs> I mean, it's, but isn't it all in black and white as well? Uh, Silly Symphony, um, yeah. Uh, I, I'm trying to think. The one, maybe, maybe the skeletons one is a different um, silly symphony because there's one that's in color okay. with uh, a forest and it's got uh, like these different plants that are kind of fighting each other, but not like fight, fight, as in, you know, pulling um, each other's branches off and stuff. Um, no, but not in a weird, like, you know, like they're trying to move ahead and they keep like, oh, yeah, okay. like tug of war. Like it's, it's not, it's not. That weird, like it, not. I love that. Not in a weird way. Not in a yeah, weird they, way. They, they were dismembering each other, but not in a weird way. Guys. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, to be fair, like uh, sort of the whole thing of um, music and the sort of visualizer sort of effect that's become quite big in like music now, like popular music. If you um, uh, fl the Flume mixtape that came out earlier this year it was a fantastic album. Hi, this is Flume. Yeah, did you what? Did you ever uh, get a chance to look at the visualizer? No, I didn't. I didn't know I had a visual companion. Yeah, so on his YouTube channel there was a um, it was an artist who collaborated with him on it, and it's like the whole album sort of has a visual kind of thing as well. It's fantastic. Oh, cool. It's really worth watching. I'll look it up because. The ones I like watching, that they're not they're not part of a series, but they're by the same uh, directors. Are the music videos by Brother, but it's Brother as in B R T H R, 
They are um, a duo. One of them's based in New York. The other one's based in Tokyo. And they they are the people responsible for um, the Travis Scott Goosebumps <laughs> music video and Butterfly Effect. They maybe I can't remember if they did made the Sicko Mode video, <laughs> but brother basically did a party monster for the weekend and a couple of other videos and they have a very unique visual style which has now been replicated all over hip-hop but i like watching their videos back to back because it's just it adds so much to the experience because it's more than just a a, an artsy video and it's more than just a song it's just this combination wait speaking of visual accompaniments so like songs and stuff one thing that i think i'm definitely not a film nerd i i i'm very easily entertained by whatever and the proof of this is, do you, do you guys ever, I don't know if you guys have had Windows 7 on your like home computers, but you know, like the music, the media player, you'd play a song on it and like, you know, these weird patterns would like, you know, like jump out on the screen and like oh, move in like yes. tandem with the music. I would sit there in front of my computer for hours. Oh, see, one of my patterns. vivid, one of my vivid memories. So my dad has always been a fan of Mac computers. He's always said, you know, Mac computers are the best for, for work and they, 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 it all just works together and whatever. But one of, the, one of the reasons he also loved it is that iTunes, that they've removed it now with Apple Music and everything. But iTunes used to have a visualizer, which, yeah, any song you wanted to play would come on full screen with, with the... It was like a never-ending tunnel of lights that would bump to the music. And one of my earliest memories that then isn't just one time because we we we'd always my dad would always put on music with a visualizer and I'd just sit there watching it is um sitting in the office of my house in Spain which you remember yeah. um listening to uh come up and see me by Steve Harley and Cockney Rebel with the visualizer on <laughs> yeah really specific memory but it's there I used to love that visualizer yeah, I think um, I've been to quite a few um, house parties before where they've just had like a different bit of software, just like visualising it on their telly and just a telly in the corner of the room. So it does quite work. It works quite nicely in oh, like a kind of party cool. setting. Well, what, sorry, one thing I would say though about um, musical accompaniments to films is have you ever done the um, Dark Side of the Rainbow thing? No, what is do that? Do not ever do it. What's that? So it's basically, it's a, basically a rumour online that um, Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon perfectly syncs up with The Wizard of Oz. So if you watch them at the same time, it's meant oh, to be some I kind of amazing effect. I tried it last year. It's useless. Because the thing that should have undone it for everyone at the beginning is the album is 50 minutes long and the yeah. film is like an two. hour and a half. Oh, hour and a half? There you go. So you have to listen to the same album two and a half times oh. to get <laughs> the effect. And it's like, I don't understand who whoever thought of it. Just like, why you wouldn't... If you genuinely believe that, why would, you not, why would they not have made the album as long as the film? Yes, yeah. I listened to. I did. Cause I really like the album, and I listened to. I did the first run through of the album with the thing. It worked. It does work. It works quite nicely. There's a few bits that really do sync up, and it's incredible. I think it, one of the bits is there's a bit of uh, brain damage and the um, when the uh, scarecrow starts dancing. Yeah, <laughs> and there's a re- and uh, I think it's when uh, the great gig in the sky is the bit yeah. where it suddenly comes into Technicolor. Okay. And that's really, really cool. But like, once you get through the album once, like I'm not going to sit here and listen to the same album no, again because that's just weird. So, so maybe what they should have done is a, is a rescore of um, Wizard of Oz where they just added the songs in where they fit. Yeah. Which is basically what um, BBC Radio One did with Drive. They rescored Drive, and I, I still haven't got around to watching it because um, it was on iPlayer, and then they pulled it at the beginning of last year, so I haven't been able to get it, and. 
I have tried to resort to the world of pirating once again, <laughs> and I can't find it. Um, Stop confessing your crimes online, Tobias. Hey, hey, I'm a desperate man that just wants to watch the drive rescore <laughs> <laughs> by any means necessary. I think it's a very dangerous... I think that film especially is a very dangerous game because the score of that film is perfect. Absolutely, yeah. It was meticulously made by um, Cl- uh, Cliff... Glyph Bazinski, I think his name. What's the no, name? No, Cliff Martinez. Sorry. What's the what, what's the main song? It's um, uh, uh, oh, a, re- a real human being. Yeah, oh, that song is so good. It is so good. It is so good, and that 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 film works. And as well, it has um, one of of course the iconic scenes is when um, uh, Ryan Gosling's driving down the street to uh, Night Call by Kavinsky. Yeah, which is fantastic, and. I don't know if you've discovered this. We're, we're veering off a little bit into music, but we'll bring it back to film. Um, there's a version of um, Kavinsky's Night Call, and it's called Odd Look, and it's basically just Night Call, but with The Weeknd singing. Hmm. And it's brilliant. Like, it's actually a pretty damn good song, so check it out. <laughs> the only thing I would say, just before we finish, to be uh, cautious about the Drive Rescore, is I'm pretty sure they replaced Real Human Being with an original song by Bastille. Oh, so just bear that in no. mind when you watch it. Well, no, but Bastille aren't bad. I think it's just about, you know, changing what's already... Why fix it if it ain't broke? Hey, hey, when I have time, I will find the Rescore, I will watch it, and I will Rescore the Rescore, mashing the original with the Rescore. That way, we have the ultimate Drive experience. Perfect. At some point before we end the podcast, in addition to the many things we promised to do before we end the podcast, we will at some point watch the Drive Rescore and give it some kind of... We'll, we'll, we'll assess it. We, yeah, let's do that. Let's do we'll, that. We'll, That'd we'll be assess great. It. But I think that's pretty much all we have time for now. So, um, firstly, I hope Jesus is King has dropped by the time you're listening <laughs> to this and the album was excellent. Uh, thank you very much, Becca, for um, coming here and being a girlfriend slash acquaintance. Thank to- you very much for having me, guys. Uh, thank you for coming on, and um, I know you uh, have a cyber law blog. Oh, would I'm you like to pl- plug it? I'm yeah, plug it. Plug, okay. plug, plug your stuff for all of those people interested in both film and legal technology. Of course, the the, the Venn diagram is almost a circle in that case. <laughs> um, I have a website, um, a blog. Uh, it's called TwelveAngryBots.com, where I write about like tech stuff. Well, tech and law. So check it out. <laughs> Brilliant. Do you want to plug your socials to us? Yeah, so um, before I plug my socials, I'd like to say a quick thank you to Joel Todd for making our intro and outro. Um, Absolute genius, so thank you for that. Um, I am Tobias Soar on all social media, and I launched my freelance writing website this week, TobiasSoar.com. So uh, yeah, check that out too. Uh, Yeah, I'd like to echo that as well. The um, theme tune and the, the intro and outro are excellent. And it was a very kind of uh, Joel to put that together for us. Uh, I am uh, Josh Sandy on Twitter and Josh W Sandy on Instagram. Thank you very much for listening. And we will uh, do this again next week with a different friend slash girlfriend slash acquaintance. <laughs> there <laughs> or, we go. <laughs> or, literally, or literally someone we drag dragging off the street. Thank you very much for listening. See you again.